been dressed by Leona. She was just getting me sorted out there. It's quite fortunate, actually, because I was going to wear the same getup that Michelle was wearing. So uh, <laughs> I, I dodged a bullet there. <laughs> she, she can pull it off. But uh, well, actually, I've only been coming to this church for a few years, and, uh, and so many of you may not have known me for a long period of time. So I thought I'd share something uh, from about 30 kilograms ago when I was a child. And uh, <laughs> uh, in those days, I was actually in shape to play basketball, whereas now I'm probably more in the shape of a basketball. But uh, <laughs> I had this actually, uh, this particular mean old nasty coach. She was a disciplinarian. Yeah, she was. She was hard. And uh, she'd actually force us to dribble both hands of the basketball going down the court. And, uh, and it was a discipline. And I've got to be honest and say, dribbling with my opposite hand, it felt quite, un- I felt quite unco. It felt very unnatural. But after a while, I'd become accustomed to it. And, and so as, you know, I'd be taking the ball down the court, I'd dribble this side. And if defence would come across over here, what would happen? I could just simply pivot to the right-hand side and go right on by. And so... That worked quite well for me, but there were some people that played basketball where they'd be dribbling down the court and they could only dribble on the one hand. And so what would happen is the defence would go wider and then they'd run down, steal the ball, score a goal against your team and you would cost your team. That's one thing that would happen. The other thing that would happen is they keep dribbling to the side of the court and then they get stuck there in the corner and they'd have to hold the ball and then the, the opposition would be all over them and they couldn't go anywhere. And so what happened after that? They just never carry the ball again. And, uh, and at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's an unfortunate thing. And so that was uh, how I played basketball. But I've got to say, in my early Christian walk, I was actually a bit like the one-trick pony there. I really only was uh, a word person and... Uh, and whilst, you know, that served me well in basketball being both hands, I didn't have it in my Christian walk. And, and, and it, it was a bit of a shortcoming. And again, it, it had those same issues where you'd kind of get stuck and you couldn't find yourself out of it, find your way out of it. And so then there's a pivotal day one day and I've gone to a, a church camp and, and this gentleman's praying for me and he's praying all these things and he says, God, give him dreams, Lord God. Let him hear from you through dreams and... And I really thought at that time, being the sort of pragmatic, word-only kind of guy that I was, very analytical, I thought, mate, I think you've got the wrong guy in this one. I really, you know, it didn't resonate with my mind, but something in my spirit said, yes, this is actually for you. And so what I did, I actually prayed. Of course, being pragmatic, I went to the Bible and searched out every scripture of dreams and and realized the value of it. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, I want to receive those dreams. And I didn't feel a whole lot when uh, when I prayed that night. But then in a couple of weeks' time, I wake up and I'm like, whoa, what was that? I just jump out of bed like, oh, my heart is racing and it's, it was like, you know, sometimes when, when, you've, when you first got saved and you just feel that spot in your heart that only God touches, touches you in a certain way. And I knew that God was, was actually giving me a dream. He was speaking to me. Something had been awakened to me at that time. And I didn't really understand anything at that point in time, but it was a change. And that was actually the start of my journey in dreams. And so this morning, I do want to talk about dreams and visions, probably more on dreams, but a lot of the principles that I speak about will be relatable to visions. And, 
And I just wanted to actually share again, I say I go back to scripture, there's a, there's a scripture and it's when Samuel privately anoints Saul as king. And I'd like to read this from the NLT in 1 Samuel 10, 9 to 12. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servants arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, Can anyone become a prophet, no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of saying, is even Saul a prophet? So it's quite clear in this scripture, it was very unexpected that Saul would be a prophet. And I know I've used an example of prophecy, but the principle still applies that we can add to our giftings. And I think one of the whole inspirations, and you might have got from that story I shared initially, one of the whole inspirations of this actual preach is, is, a, is a scripture that I've always hung on to quite, quite closely in my walk. And it, and it comes from 1 Chronicles 12, 1-2. Now these are the ones who came to David at Ziklag while he was still restricted because of Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. They were equipped with bows, using both the right hand and the left to sling stones and to shoot arrows from the bow. They were Saul's kinsmen from Benjamin. So they had multiple weapons and they knew how to use them in multiple ways and that is what made that army unstoppable. So I really want to ask you today, if you don't feel it's you, if you don't think this is something for you, I want you to keep an open heart and an open mind. And, and I would remind you this time of the scripture in 1 Corinthians 14.1, earnestly pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. But I'd actually have to say with dreams and, and prophecy and vision to show you just how important it is. In Matthew in 2, 13, it's, this is just after the wise men have left. It said, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother by night and withdrew to Egypt. Now, can you imagine what would happen if they didn't know how to navigate dreams, if they just simply shrugged it off? We wouldn't have the saviour of the world. We wouldn't have this new covenant. We wouldn't have everything we have. We'd be hopelessly, we'd never be able to reconnect again to the Father. So I feel it's a, it's a, it's a really good tool for our Christian walk and it is so important. And Again, I know some people feel they're not the type of person that maybe would go with this. I know a lot of prophetic people, they, they take to it like a duck to water. But I would say also, there was another group of people that had prophetic dreams. And so maybe the prophetic side of the dream isn't something, and it might not have that appeal, and I get that, but it wasn't only Mary and Joseph. And so there's an account in Matthew 7, sorry, Matthew 2, 7 to 12, it says, then Herod, who was an evil king at that time, called the Magi secretly and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared. And sending them to Bethlehem, he said, go search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After that, they had heard the king. They went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them 
until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great delight. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they withdrew to the country by another route. So these guys, these aren't just dreamers and weirdos and prophetic outlandish types, the sort of people that would wear Michelle's outfit quite well, unlike myself. <laughs> these people were wise people. These people could navigate using the stars. I can't even use a GPS. I still get lost. So these people were wise men. So they're different types of, of uh, people that have dreams. And, and I've got to say right now, it, we are in a season of dreams. It's not the only thing that's releasing, but dreams are getting released. I'm hearing many stories of people having dreams at this point in time. So it, it is exciting. God is releasing this. And if he does release this, then it's up to us to propagate it and to navigate it. Coincidences. You know, people sometimes talk about coincidences, and in Christianity, really a coincidence is more orchestrated from God. And, and I had one of these issues probably about a year ago. Uh, I'd organised a night to go over to see Millie and Tori, and, and I get there, and Millie's like, oh, I had this dream. Like, it was amazing. I don't get dreams. I just had this one-off. And like, oh, tell me. I get so excited when someone talks about a dream. I'm like, you know, like a little kid. And, and so we start unpacking. And she goes, oh, no, but it's just this one time. I said, no, Millie, trust me, you will get more. Because I know if I love this thing and I help activate and navigate people, I know if I go there, it's orchestrated. And I know for her, of course, she would take to this like a duck to water. But I knew she was going to continue getting them. And so I said to Millie, I said, look, what you need to do when you get your next dream, I said, you need to, and I gave her a few instructions, and I'll go over them at the end, but I, I gave her those things, like write them down, learn how to unpack them. And, and she actually was very diligent, and I've got to honour her. You know, the, the Bible says give honour where honour is due. And, you know, we gave honour to, uh, to Michelle as well. And, and I think it's really important because she embraced all those things. And, and as did Bianca as well. The, these two, they've both embraced the instructions and all the suggestions I would give them. And, and I've seen that they've come so far forward. They've come so far forward in 20 months. They've done in 20 months what it's taken me 20 years to do. And so I just think that's amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, particularly that... that that prophetic dream, I'm a bit of a Bianca fan club, so excuse me. I know she's going to hate me for saying that. But to, to, corporate dreams are harder again, and, and the amount of detail in which she was able to give that and to bless the church with a corporate dream, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, credit to you. And so we are in this season where God is releasing gifts, and particularly dreams and visions, and we feel strongly that, and as we're in a season of encounter, we feel that, that God does want to come and encounter, and he is encountering. And, and I felt in my life that God is coming towards us where I spend time going to search for him, you know, and you always get that, but at times he's just coming to me, and it's a, it's a beautiful time. It's like the angel at the pool of Bethesda. Sometimes God just stirs it up, and he takes that initiative, and this is the time. But I would say... I really need to just, I guess, issue like a bit of a warning. And, and, and I really come from this, uh, come from Mark 3, 27 to 30. I want to read this scripture because unfortunately over the years, it's actually, it's really been the Christian church that's probably stopped 
the, uh, the gifts of God from flowing. And what happens is we often criticise the manifestation because at that moment of manifestation, it does look, look a bit strange, a bit different, but don't worry about the manifestation the moment. Worry about what comes out of it because what comes out of it is often a greater depth of knowledge in God and when you know God more, you know him deeper, you know him deeper in every area as you go further in. So I, I'm really going to just encourage people to just embrace it and, and, I, and I would also just, again, as I said, I'd read that scripture from Mark 3, 27 to 30 and, and it is a warning and it's called the unpardonable sin. And it's, indeed, no one can enter a strong man's house to steal his possession unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. Truly, I tell you, the sons of men will be forgiven all sins and blasphemies, as many as they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of eternal sin. Jesus made a statement because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And I actually want to give you the biblical definition of what blasphemy is based on the root word and it is to slander or to speak lightly or profanely of secret sacred things and in its usage it says to speak evil against as in to blaspheme to use abusive scurrilous language about god and men and so can you imagine you get to heaven and God has actually blotted out all your sins as far as the east or the west he remembers them no more none of your sins and then he comes to that one. And you have that awkward moment where he actually reminds you about the time when there was a great move of God and, and you spoke against it. And that's, that's an awkward moment and no one wants that. And so what I'm going to say is, if you're not sure, just let it go. Just don't, don't oppose it though. If you don't know, just let it go. Okay, so now that we've got that out of the way, activation and navigation. <laughs> yeah, no one likes it. It's like, it's like a parent thing. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was like good cop in my house. I'll tell you, ask my kids, they're not here, so you know, <laughs> that works for me. But I was always good cop, and so you know, it's, it's hard for me to do this. But what I do love, <laughs> yeah, I know who the good cop is here. <laughs> is, uh, what, what I love is activation and, and navigation, and... I'm not going to do too many, I'm not going to do interpretations and, and, and dreams will come. But the important thing is that they're so unshakable and they're so memorable. I mean, I remember dreams from 30 years ago, which is pretty good because I can't actually remember if I had a lunch yesterday and then I'll have another lunch and then remember that actually I did have a lunch. And then that probably explains the shape of the basketball. But anyhow, I don't have a great memory, but I tell you, I remember dreams from 30, because 30 years ago, they are so impactful. And so I think it's a, it's a really good thing to, to give clarity of decisions and so forth. And, and so I will just, as a bit of a, as a setup for the dreams, just basically categorise dreams in three different types. And so there's three different types that I'll break into. Is effectively one from your own mind, so that's your subconscious mind. And that's actually 90% of your mind, and there's a lot more there, but... God gave you that mind, you've got to remember. And also there are, we have nightmares and, and they are essentially tormenting of the spirit. And, you know, Paul had a tormenting spirit. And, you know, Job had plenty of, you know, bad dreams too. So it's not necessarily a reflection on your, on your life, but it can sort of tell you where things are at. And, of course, the third category is dreams from God. And obviously I want to focus on, on that today. And, uh, yeah, excuse me. 
And so dreams of God, they come from a language, a language of God. And people often say, oh, I just want God to, to speak in plain English. Well, the thing is really, to actually say to the God of the universe in heaven, speak my language, is, is actually a little bit arrogant. You know, if we want to go to heaven, if we want to go to that land, we actually need to learn that language. And the thing is, in dreams and in your dream state and in your subconscious, it doesn't work. You don't have literal ears in your dream, and so it actually doesn't really work. The same with visions. You can't really hear in that way. And so the language of God through dreams and visions is more like pictorial. And, and you see, it, Revelation is probably a good example where John would see a picture and then he would try and describe it. And so that's the kind of language of, of dreams that they're written in. It's more a pictorial type of language. So I'm going to go back to some of my early dreams. And I did muddle my way through dreams, as I said. It took me a long time, but I guess in fairness and cutting myself a bit of slack, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there as it was these days. There's, there's a lot more information. There's a bit of, there's probably quite a lot of uh, mocking and disrespect towards dreams. And so <laughs> people like me don't really like talking about them a lot until we get someone like Millie and Bianca coming up really excited and then we kind of, here we go. But it really hasn't been something that previously has been embraced so much. Um, but I muddled my way through it, you know, studied as much as I could. And uh, I've really had a, quite a lot of different dreams. And I'm going to use a lot of different dreams to bring out different aspects and, and types of dreams that you get. And again, this can help you with visions. Um, But I did want to use some dreams from other people. Uh, I don't really want to make it about myself. But unfortunately with dreams, there's often such a personal aspect about it. And I thought, oh, I can use his. Oh, no, but it's got that. Point. Oh, that. Oh, no, it's got... There's often a very personal aspect. And, and so I've, I'm just... I'm going to use mine for that sake. And, and I may not give all the details for simplicity of teaching. But it, it's good to sort of know that and understand that. Because when you have dreams, it'll be quite similar. And so one of the first types of dreams I got early on in my, in my journey was directional dreams. And it actually got birthed out of a time when I was in a, you know, a, I guess a, a left-leaning church at that time, trying to be much like the world. And, you know, I thought, do I stay on the, on the side and, and fight right, or do I just go on the right fight? And so I was, I was wondering, I'm thinking, do I stay here or do I go? But I don't move. If God moves me, I move God. He plants us in family and church, but sometimes he actually uproots as well. And so this was pondering on my mind at this time. And then I had this uh, particular dream. And uh, it was, uh, it was uh, again, dreams, they seem plausible while you're in the dream state, but in reality they're not. And so this first dream, I'm saying it's a directional dream, was I'm, I'm rushing to this car park. It's a multi-level car park. And I get to the top and I pay the money and I've got to get out of there quickly. And all through the exit, as it always happens in Sydney, it doesn't happen in Adelaide. Uh, that's where I had this dream. But the, the whole way to exit, the cars were just jam-packed and they were going nowhere. And I'm like, I've got to get out of this dream. And I'm complaining to the guy. I'm saying, hey, I've got to get out of here. And so he says, look, the only thing you can do, and I've actually seen some people do it, not the way I did, he goes, you can reverse out of the entry. So it's winding and twisting around like, oh, do I really want to go out backwards? You know, it feels like I'm going the wrong way. And yet, in the end, I ended up doing that. And so that's one part. And 
Another aspect of dreams, you often get two dreams at the same time, basically saying the same thing, but in a different way. And I actually suspect it appeals to the left side of the brain and to the right side of the brain. And often there be, might be one more emotional and one more practical. So it's amazing that God got you covered no matter which way. You know, you'll, you'll understand them. And so the second dream was... Uh, I was at a beach, and so it's a setting like this, and I just see it's all sand. And in this corner, there's these religious type of churchy sort of buildings, and it's, and it's only here. And in a moment, it just gets blown away. I'm like, oh. And so I remember God actually saying through that, you know, unfortunately, by living on this small platform, and that being the, I guess, the left-leaning kind of not standing on the whole platform, watering it down, you could only really grow so big. You weren't building on the whole foundation. And, and God's like, I actually want you to build on the whole foundation. And Jesus is the cornerstone. That's the most integral part of the foundation. That's what keeps everything on the level. It's the plumb line. It's the standard. And actually that church really didn't fit the standard of God. And, so, and there were some other sort of you know, aspects in that. And so I felt, unfortunately, I did have to go. And it felt like I was going backwards. I was fairly involved in that church and, and becoming more involved. And, and no one likes pruning. No one likes going back to the start. But I knew that my walk would be bigger and more effective if I could walk on the whole, work on the whole platform of God. And so I did sort of leave and actually sort of knew the church. I was going to had a kind of coincidental you know meeting at a particular house people knocked on the door my car wasn't working long story short I kind of joked he said hey can you pray for my car I want to go they pray for it the car started and I was able to go so I'm like wow that's cool another coincidence so I always love to have a scripture and I think it's really good to be confident that the dream you're having and the interpretation you're having is consistent with Scripture. Because if it's not consistent with Scripture, it's actually not from God. And I think it's a real safeguard. Your spirit tests, but the Word also tests. And again, we have this multi-dimensional platform. And so I actually wanted to quote from Matthew 7, 25 to 27. The, the rain fell, the torrents raged, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. And Jesus is known as a rock, of course. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell, and great was its collapse. And so I knew I had to act on that. And so, obviously, I did. As you heard with Bianca's dream, it was very detailed, but, you know, God is usually <laughs> fairly gracious in the sense that, you know, the dreams is like learning a language. You start off small and basic, and it gets more, you know, complex as you go along. And so I had this pretty, pretty easy dream to interpret, and it was one of protection. So at this time, I was working in my dad's business, uh, family business, and uh, was working with him. And... You know, there was a bit of, you know, stuff that goes on as often happens with church, a bit of, you know, backstabbing, a bit of funny, weird stuff going on. And, and I remember having this dream and, and in the dream, I'm standing in the backyard of my dad's house and it was quite a decent garden. And I'm just standing there and dad's standing there by my side and uh, he just kind of gets a stick and just flicks this snake away and there's a snake right by my foot and I never really knew what it was. And so I asked Dad the next day, I said, I had this dream, and I told him what the dream was. I said, do you think that might have been related to work? He says, yep. I thought, cool. But I never asked him what it was about, because 
I don't want to glorify the works of the enemy. I don't want to know what he's doing. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on what God's doing. That's what I want to know. You know, we don't, we don't want to give time to his works. He, he would love that, but we don't do that. And so that was a dream of protection. So as you start to know who you are in God and you start to live out of it and you have a few battles, you start to find that actually you need greater angelic protection. And uh, when you're... When you're running from a controller or, you know, you sort of break free from sort of oppression, you find the enemy wants to reassert his pressure. You know, you've actually broken free, but he doesn't want that. He doesn't want you in freedom. And so I had this particular encounter. Now, for some reason, this particular night, I'm sleeping on the lounge and just there is my daughter in my bed and up the side of the house there's a pathway and I wake up and I'm feeling like something's just lying on me like something that's had more sandwiches than what I've had for lunch and uh, I just you know felt like oh and so finally you know I managed to sort of get free and then I hear this running up the side so then I go to run out of the house and chase this thing but then I see I hear Lauren crying in the bedroom like a cry like I've never heard and she was freaked out so I thought comfort my daughter or chase away some scary thing and so I did the loving father thing it wasn't the wimp choice I did the loving father and I went in and said what's what's going on what's going on and she said daddy daddy I'm scared the man was running up the side why were you chasing the man running up the side and I'm like how do you know it was me darling she was only about six then you know and so she said well because it looked exactly like you and, and it had its hair like you. She goes, I couldn't see your face because the light was shining brightly on your face. And, uh, and I said, oh, okay. And, and to be honest, I, I don't remember how the conversation went from there, strange enough, but I remember that. And, and so what had happened is, you know, my angel, truth be told, was probably the one that helped get this thing off me. But then my angel is chasing this thing up the, up the, up the side. And the thing is, there are a few points to this now. The light on the side of the house was broken at the time. The blinds were down and the curtains were drawn. So there's no way she could have seen through there. But you see, the angels of light often are so bright that it just illuminates through. Like, the walls don't get in the way. And so that's how she saw that. Now, I wasn't going to explain that to her. I felt that was a bit too much. But I'm explaining that to you at this time and to Lauren now, you know. <laughs> hey, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually watching on today she's like good eight months pregnant so she couldn't make it today but I'm looking forward to the grandchild and I've gone way off point there and so, <laughs> and so that was like a, a really you know awesome dream of protection but when you understand the angelic protection like that you start to pray you start to live like you know you've got protection and you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death without fear you don't go where you're not supposed to go, but you have bravery, you have confidence to go where you don't want to go if God has called you to go. So you have a greater awareness of the angelic. And of course, there's also the ministering angels too. That was more an angel of protection. Now, curiously, well, it was curious to me that it looked a lot like me. And so, of course, what do you do? Well, you hit the scriptures. And interestingly, in Acts 12, 14, I think some of you probably remember this, when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate. Joy. 
and done some stupid things. But she ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it is his angel. You see, in those times, they were dealing with the angels and they understood that his angel looked a lot like him and it was easy to mistake. And so you see that experience is consistent with God and the Bible. You see, it's not just for these people in this day. They didn't have the Holy Spirit as much as we did. It's actually for all of us. This, this is the greater calling. This is the fullness of God. This is what we're born to live into. And we are coming into this. And we need this in this new time. I'm going off track now. But in this new time, as, as the evil increases right now, God is bigger and better. And so his outpouring and his faith and all his tools will be greater. And we're going to have that. But we need to have it too. And so I say, get your, get your battle on, get your gear on, be ready for war. But enjoy it. It's, it's, an, awesome, it's an awesome experience. The armor of God. I think it's probably a good time to get onto this. We understand our armor. We understand that we need to use it. And in Ephesians 6, 10 to 16, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this world's darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth fastened around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness arrayed, and with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take all this, take up the shield of faith with salvation, sorry, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying the Spirit at all times, every kind of prayer and petition, petition. And to this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for the saints. So one of the other dreams I used to have you know, early on, and you can kind of get a bit of a pattern, is I was repeatedly shot at. And, you know, when God repeats a dream, he's trying to tell you something. And so I started praying about it, but I also had a greater awareness of who I was in God and what I had in God, and specifically the armor of God. And so then what I started doing is actually fighting back. And in my dreams, I would turn around and I knew I had the weapons of warfare. I know our guns are bigger. You know, I know we have everything we need in Christ. We have everything we need in Christ. And so I could actually fight against the enemy. And you know what? The enemy stopped coming back because he knew he could no longer control. He knew he could no longer harass us and buffet us because we have it and we know we have it because we've experienced it and we believe it. So I was saying before, some of us get a bit bound. If we're a one-trick pony and we just do that, the enemy can work around one gift. He, he really can. And I'll give you an example. So an intercessor, if you're an intercessor and the only thing you've got is prayer, and I've actually seen this as a live example. I can think of specific people in this way. If that's your only tool, what happens is the enemy will come and harass, stress you, buffet you, give you problems, and then you don't have freedom in your mind, and you don't have peace, and so you can't hear from God. So if you're just a prayer, then that can be a problem. But 
if you have worship, if you have music, if you have the word, if you have prophecy, if you have dreams, God will talk to you one way or the other. And so that's why I encourage you, try and increase in the gifts. Don't be the one-trick pony. Be like David's army. See, we are, we are supposed to battle. We, we are in a war to some extent, and it's not all day, every day, but there are times the enemy will come. He's hopelessly outgunned, but at times he will come. But in Romans 8, 36 to 39, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and I love that, and it's good to know that, but I love the ending of that too. He's done all that so that we can't be separated not, now, look, we'll go to heaven and we'll be here with him then, but he doesn't want to wait that long. He has been waiting all eternity to be with you. He doesn't want to wait any longer. None of us would want to wait any longer. And so that's a beautiful thing. I, I think often gets missed out in that scripture. That's the whole reason he does that. So another type of dream is dreams of hope. You know, I've, I've had some pretty sad times in my life and, you know, and I, I've got to be honest, in my early 20s, I probably didn't have a great will to live. I really wasn't loving life. But hope is the greatest antidepressant going around. In that time, I had dreams and I, and I saw things in my future and I thought, that just cannot be possible. And to be honest, they're too personal. I don't really want to go into it. But I tell you, in those dark days... When you get a dream of hope that you can see it and you know in your spirit that it's going to be, but in your mind it doesn't. It doesn't make sense because if it was possible, it's not a miracle. You do the possible, that's okay, but Jesus, God, the Lord, does the impossible. And so that's when we know, again, if, if it's a dream, it's not possible for you to do it. That's why you need God. That's why you know the majestic nature of it. Dreams can also be used for a tool of evangelism. I love this one. This is one of my favourite stories I've ever heard. In the Middle East, it's a, it's a risky place to witness. You know, you, you can die and that's if you're lucky. You can face, seriously, you can face some horrific torture, excommunication, businesses get shut down and, you know, you don't even want to know what happens to the women. But we still need to get the word of God out and so I heard this one guy, his strategy was, and it's a God-given strategy, he'd ask people, he was a taxi driver, and so he'd ask them when they got into the car, have you had the dream? And if they hadn't, it didn't matter. But often they'd say, yes, I have. And they'd have this dream of the man in white coming towards them, and they needed to know. And so he would explain to them, and he knew such desire because there's such an enchanting beauty about the Lord when he comes to us that 
They can't, especially if you're in a, in a land where love is not the big thing or you have a belief system. When you experience this love, you, you have to get it. And so they're okay to pay that price. They're actually okay with it, but they have to know. And so that was his strategy of being able to you know, witness in that area. And I think that's just an amazing thing. You know, you see, God goes before. He orchestrates that. These people have dreams, and then which taxi are they going to get in? They're going to get in his taxi. Sometimes dreams are interactive, and I, and I did sort of mention a little bit before about we have the weapons of warfare, and sometimes we see, you know, our dreams, and we can we, we can actually change things, and we can actually, and it's not something I've done, but when the Lord is in dreams with us or visions, most of us are like, well, as as often I am, but I actually encourage it. I know a lot of people they actually ask of God, they ask questions. You, they can be a bit interactive. Don't be, the longer you get, the more you get into it, the less overawed you'll be. And I encourage you to actually ask the Lord when he's there, ask him questions and, or what you need to know. It's a, I hear some amazing stories of that. Enjoyable dreams. Some dreams are just yeah, great. They're great fun. They're enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know Mighty Whitey over there had one of those enjoyable dreams. That's just a beautiful blessing of God. That's a, that's, a, that's a dream of God. And he just wants you to have fun because he's a loving father. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy. I've, I've had dreams that were like sci-fi movies, like, wow, that is so cool. And, you know, then there's other ones. And, you know, I remember once uh, Kieran, my son, he was about four years old, and he used to kind of come in and sleep in my bedroom. And this particular night... I have this dream and, and it's like Kieran on the sporting field and, and he's loving it and so confident was I that that was his dream that I actually woke him up and I said, mate, are you having a good dream? He smiled and said, yeah, and then he just went back to sleep. You see, there can be some transference. If you're in a similar proximity, you can often transfer that and you can understand that. And it's, it's a great thing, but, but God, he, he's a good loving father and he wants us to have an enjoyable time. The Christian walk, there's an element of joy and fun in that, and, and we should never lose that. And I know Pastor Claudia, he lives by that. It has to be an enjoyable journey, and it does, and it can be, and it should be, and that's the way it was actually designed to be. This one. <laughs> this one. It's some of the, some of, sharing these, some of these dreams are really difficult, actually. <laughs> this one here, oh, the armor of light. So some of you may know that I've had three neck operations, so I'm about 40-odd operations behind Alex, so I'm probably not going to garner too much sympathy here. But uh, I would say that um, I have, after my second dream, I had a couple, sorry, second operation, I had a couple of dreams prior to it, and I knew this was going to be really tight. I, I knew that it was going to be close to dying, and but God would get me through. And so I had confidence, even though, you know, coming out of it, it, it wasn't so good. And I was in ICU for quite a few days, and, you know, they, this is a complication most people die from. And so they really weren't sure what to do with me, and, and you could see that when they were talking. And basically, I was breathing out of one small tube down my nose with one collapsed lung, fighting against phlegm and, and uh, you know, just breathing off and it would, you know, block the tube and so you'd literally be sort of choking and it's, it's really not fun at all. And basically, whilst I had inflated ball on one side of my throat and the tube down the other, I could breathe. But the problem was whenever they go to take the ball out, my throat would just collapse and, you know, 
And I knew that after five or six days, because I was filling up with phlegm and, you know, the lungs weren't great, they, it was D-Day. They said, okay, every day it's like we're going to take it out today and then it's the next day and the next day. But this day I knew it was coming out. And so I thought, well, I probably should pray. And I actually did for quite a few hours. I sort of prayed with a fair degree of intensity too. I've got to be honest on that one. And I prayed for hours. And, and I remember I had this particular dream And so I have this dream and it's like I'm at, you know, these beautiful, picturesque Jamaican huts and I'm sitting there and it's really bright and this Jamaican barman comes up to me and he's like kind of fluorescent white, looked a bit weird and, you know, and the straw covering was white and he says to me, uh, you know, it's a bit bright, do you want me to pull the blind down? I said, yeah, sure, that'd be great. And so as he pulls the blind down, he just wraps it all around me and all of a sudden I'm going into light. And that is actually the armour of light. And I know a lot of people that have had near-death experiences will talk about the armour of light and that's actually from Romans 13, 12. But the interesting thing is at that time, and I talk about transference, when you're in an encounter... I had this nurse preparing me for the procedure and so and she was touching me at that time and so as I've come out of that one I look up at her and she's in a trance she's just like this and about 10 seconds later she kind of shakes her head and thinks what's going on there and uh, you know look I couldn't talk but you know whatever I didn't explain anything to her sorry if you're listening uh, <laughs> my bad but really it's understandable and so <laughs> And so then the next thought that comes to my mind is this particular scripture, and it's from Isaiah 58, 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I mean, I knew it was going to be quick one way or the other. They said, you're either going to go or you're going to be okay, pretty much. And they were reasonably confident that I'd be okay, but, you know, it was a little bit stressful. But God gives you this confidence that it'll happen quickly. And so you hang on to that. And, and yeah, I'm here. So that went really well. <laughs> but it's interesting, that nurse, when she come to, this whole weekend, I think it was, it was January long weekend. I think it was 2014 or 15 or 16. I think it was 14. It had been wintry blustery the whole time that I was in ICU. Didn't see the sun shine for one moment. But on that morning... The sun shines through. And so when she said, do you want the blinds shut? I just said, just open a little bit because I want to see those light rays shining through. Because there's something that happens in the natural will also happen in the spiritual. You'll see often what's happening. And right now, you know, I'm going to divert here. You're seeing that the Warragamba Dam is overflowing. And maybe, I hope I haven't done this too early, but... Back in, I think it was 2012, Phil Pringle <laughs> actually prophesied that there would be revival in Australia when the Warragamba Dam overflows. And you know what? Right now, they've been letting it off, but they're saying next week, it's the water rush is unstoppable. It will overflow. And you see, the outpouring and the overflow is unstoppable. And that's what's happening in the natural right now in Australia. Two years ago, we're saying we haven't got enough water. We need to double the desal plant. It's not enough. In the natural, it was not enough. 
But God is a God of abundance. He's outpouring. It's happening now. So God is showing us by the natural. This is spoken about. And I've got to say, this guy took a lot of flack for that particular, particular prophecy. And I'm actually not hearing it much as well. And so, you know, I thank God that he had that, that commitment because we stand confidently now thinking that actually it is going to happen. And I see the signs in the spirit and the natural and everywhere I look, one way or the other, in nature and the spirit, the signs are saying it is coming to Australia. Thank you, Lord. It was actually, and I feel this ties in very much with my first corporate dream. I actually had this dream where it was like a wave and I, I, don't, I, don't, I swim like a rock, so I'm not one for the ocean. But I've been on jet skis, and sometimes you feel the water just push you up, and you feel the power of thousands and tens and thousands and thousands of litres of water with that whole momentum just pushing up the power of the water is so amazing. And this dream I have, I'm on this wave, and all of a sudden I get lifted up. And you see, this is not a wave that's got a cap that comes over and crushes you and tumbles you and knocks you. This wave is a wave that lifts you up suddenly with momentum. And that right now is what's happening with Warragamber Dam. The levels have lifted up so suddenly and so much. And that's what's happening in Christianity. And we need that uplift right now. Because right now it's a dark time out there. But actually that lift is coming. And you're going to feel it like I felt in that dream. You don't want to know the equivalent of the enemy's dream is when you have those dreams like you're falling and you feel dread and fear. That's God, but God, he is lifting you up. And in this time, we need to be lifted up. So I want to go on a little bit about interpreting dreams. And I'll just give you a few tips about interpreting dreams. I think it's good just to do a little bit. Write down everything that you remember. Even the small things, because God does speak in the still voice. And sometimes it's that small thing there. And God likes us to search out the mysteries. When you go searching and hunting, you're showing the desire that you want to know. And that's an issue of the heart. And when you have that heart of desire, God honors that desire. He loves you eagerly desiring. And desiring, and so I encourage you because sometimes the small thing is actually the central theme. And dreams, as I said before, and I'll actually go back a little bit with that dream with the Jamaican hut. Light was the central theme. That's why the light was emanating from that guy. That's why there was too much light in my eyes. That's why I was in the armor of light. That was the central theme, and that's very obvious in that dream. Uh, but sometimes it can actually be the small thing, the quiet voice, and God does talk in that. So do write down even the smallest things. So try and, another one, point three, try and ascertain what emotion you're feeling, fear, excitement, instruction, warning, plans, or prophetic. As I said before, work out the central theme. Oops, I've done that. Colours are usually symbolic too. So if you see colours there, you just do a bit of research onto what they are. Find Christian references. Uh, elements like fire, water, trees have meanings. People are, people are usually symbolic of what they represent. So maybe an authority figure, a leader of the church, maybe a loving mother. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit is often portrayed as, as, a, as a loving mother. 
I miss that. And so I encourage you to write these down, even if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, because you think you remember in the morning, you don't remember. It was from your subconscious mind. Your front mind doesn't remember. And you will remember and you'll be better for it. And the next day you can write down what your interpretation is. But that's one thing I encourage you to do. Write down your interpretation because two things with that, you'll actually find that most of the time you're pretty right. You might be slightly off, but you generally get the most of it. But the other thing is sometimes you look back and you think, hey, that has actually come to pass. And it's an encouraging thing. So, so write them down, particularly at night. Don't do what I did the first time. I actually had my pad and pen there and I started writing down. I didn't want to turn the light on. It was dark. And I woke up in the morning and I thought some kid had left some scribbly picture on there. <laughs> I couldn't read it at all. So, yeah, maybe go in the bathroom. Don't, don't wake up your partner on that one. They, yeah, they nearly always seem impossible. And I say, there's no point God doing it. It's not conceivable. We went on that before. So if you, if you don't get it, just ask God to try again. Just say, God, can you give me another one? God is a loving father. If, if your father wants to speak to you, wants to tell you something you don't understand, he will work through, he will try and find another way. So if you don't get it, that's okay. Just ask for another one. Ask again and, and you'll get it. And he, he does like you to ask. He does like the fact that you're saying, hey, I want to hear from you. I didn't quite understand. And also, I will say, be, be careful what you share. I, I've, I don't think I've got time to share one of the other dreams. I feel very intense. Um, but be careful what you share. For some people, it's, it's going to be too much. And, you know, sometimes you don't actually need to tell them. You might have seen a situation but God's shine, shine, shine the light on it, and that situation's fixed, so you don't always need to. Sometimes when I have these dreams that I'm fighting and I'm in a war and there's stuff going on, we're, we're more than conquerors. We, we, are, we win every battle, but sometimes I can see that no matter which way I go, I'm actually not going to win this battle. And what I realise, and this is more of instruction and a learning thing as you get this, what I realised, if I can't find any way to win, I pull myself out of there. And usually what happens within two or three days, you see what the battle is. And so if I've had that situation in a dream, when I see something come along, clearly it's not my fight. That's the Lord's fight. It's not something I need to overcome. It's not something I need to do, no matter how much you feel enticed to engage in the situation. That one's actually not for you. So if you get that, that's actually generally what happens with that. And, and the dream may give you a clue as to what it is, but the instruction in that, because dreams are instructional too, is you don't have to engage. That's God's. But also probably suggesting you probably want to get involved. Uh, and that's okay. That's a learning thing. I think, I'm, I think I'm getting short on time anyhow. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to go over some of the things that have, just recapping, some of the things that come out of these dreams and encounter. It's the joy of the Lord. And, and it's just, you, you, when you have these encounters, you just realize how good it is to be with God. Many of us who experience these encounters over the decades that we've lived, we search and we have hunger for the fullness of God because we know there's more and we want more and we won't give up. That's not the manifestation. That's the outcome of that dream. We know there's more. We, we desire more. We want more. And so we will continue to pursue it. You see people that have encounters, they don't give up on God. They just keep going because they're unstoppable. And when they've had greater experience with God, they keep going. 
And so that's like with David's mighty army. When they've got those multi-dimensional, they are unstoppable. Another thing, just to recap, we have a greater clarity in hearing God's voice. As I said, these things become so clear and it's, it's a really good way to, to hear God, especially if you're not hearing in other areas. We have great hope in dire situations that give us the strength to carry on through great trials. We have a greater uh, knowledge of the angelic protection and of God's ministering angels. We have a greater understanding of warfare. We have gifts added to us. It's a tool for evangelism. You can free captives through heavenly insight. I haven't spoken on that one. It's just too hard to unpack that one in a decent time. Also, it gives you the confidence to make choices that you know are probably going to be unpopular. When you have that direction of God, you can do that and you know you're going the right way. One of the great things, and maybe for some of you engineering types, is that a lot of people actually have dreams of creative design. And so if you have dreams, whatever aspect of life you're living in, it's going to give you a help. It's actually going to give you. When you've got the creator of the universe with all wisdom and you're getting closer and closer to him, it's going to help you in every walk of your life. You're going to get that. It helps you in directional choices and especially including warnings as well. You'll get them and it's, you know, I know people have this thing about, you know, prophecy has to be positive and uplifting on that, and it does, but a warning is a warning. <laughs> you know, we actually need to heed warnings because I mentioned before how important it is to heed those warnings. I feel really intense today. Am I, am I intense today? <laughs> no? Good, good. All right. Great. I just love the season we're in at the moment. I, just, I know that many of you, you're going to have dreams. This is going to break open in your life. You're going to have other gifts released. This activation will activate other areas in your life. And you're going to have a deeper and greater knowledge. And we, we need it in this time. And, and it's going to be a, an awesome journey. I think... At this point in time, I really feel one of the things I did say, I really believe that we actually need to just do something to outwork this. One of the, one of the things I felt was important was actually to ask God. And so I'm really just going to ask you now, if you can, just stand to your feet right now. And if you can, just maybe close your eyes and just have an open stance to receiving from God. It's, it's, this doesn't come from me. I release the word of God, but it's his word. It's his rhema power that comes on the word. I, I've, speaking the, I've spoken the word, but I trust that God will perform over his word. That's what the Bible says. He performs over his word. This is his word. And so, Father, right now, I just ask that you perform over your word, Lord. I pray that you will release dreams and visions and other giftings to everyone in this church right now, Lord. Even those that are Christians that don't necessarily want it, Lord, I trust for your mercy and your grace and your blessing that you release these gifts to them right now, Father. Lord, I pray that their spirit will testify, Lord, 
Father, I pray that they will learn to trust their spirit, Lord God, that they will receive that blessing and equipping, Lord. Father, that we will be conquerors in the land. Father, I pray for every one of these peoples that will be conquerors. I pray that none shall fall in this church and those that are listening, that none shall fall away in this time, but that we will be uplifted like you've spoken about in this dream, Lord God, the dream of the wave, Lord. Father, I thank you for that. I just pray for that blessing of uplifting every one of them. I pray their spirits be uplifted as they go about, as they go about the next week, Lord God, that they will feel that you are rising up, that you are searching them out, Lord God. You are bringing their spirit up, Lord. And Father, I just thank you so much for that, Lord. I just bless your name and I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. sure <laughs> i really i don't know where to go no no it's all good yeah no it's so good you know um i just love that we've got to be open yeah. to however god wants to talk to us and i believe it's going to increase and i love that don't be a one-trick pony don't think oh this is the only way no it's not and, and so god uses so many ways and and i couldn't help but i couldn't get out of my head every time yeah. the scripture in acts chapter 2 he says, your sons and your daughters, your old men, young women, male, everybody shall dream dreams, visions. And we're living in this outpouring. We're living in a great time where God is pouring out his spirit once again. And actually, while you were saying that too, um, Dennis, um, God was reminding me of a dream I had. Yeah, and uh, I didn't write it down though, which was a bit slack. <laughs> But in this dream, and it's a good dream, I'm just going to share a little bit of it. So, And I'll just remember the bits that I do remember. I, I, I needed to get out, and I couldn't find a way out, but I saw these keys. And there was two sets of keys, and there was a lot of keys, all different sort of keys. And, um, I, and, and I grabbed, I knew I grabbed these keys, but they were on the right-hand side. And there, but this door then, then obviously, the door opened. Yeah. And then, I was, but I, and then I had to go up. Then I was going up. Mm. And I had to get up to the top. And then as, as I paused, then there was a bit of a, a, a gap. And I had to then make a leap to mm. get over. Yep. And, and uh, some people were going, you can't do it. Mm. And, but then there was some that said, you can. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to leap. And, and, so, and then I leaped over. Mm. And we did get, but some came. And obviously, mm. I don't particularly know exactly who, but some came, and I imagine some didn't. So uh, that that was a the, a dream that I that God mm. was reminding me just there. Mm. So I don't know. Am I putting yeah. you on the spot right now, Dennis? That's quite okay. Yeah. How about that? Hey, yeah. Now, just so you know, this wasn't planned, <laughs> but you know what? I couldn't shake it. The one section that I left out was about the keys of the kingdom. Ah, there it's you go. Just, the Lord's reminding you. And, and then it comes about, you know, the light in the darkness. And then Norma spoke about that in the prayer meeting. Like, oi! You know, when, when Jesus passed away, when he died, when he had the great victory of the cross, after that, where did he go? He didn't go to celebrate. He didn't go to heaven. He didn't go to celebrate. He went to liberate. He went three days down under, three days mm. he spent to grab those keys. So there's no, he has VIP access everywhere. There's nowhere he can't go to get your freedom. He went to liberate. You see, it talks about 
the entanglement of Sheol when we go down under, and yet Jesus has been there, and we can capture it. See, some of you say, I'm a bit lost, I'm a bit broken, I've lost something. Well, if the enemy has a hold of something, you know where he's holding it. He's holding it in Sheol, and Job talks about entanglement. And so, unfortunately, some people are stuck there. But like Norma shared in the prayer meeting, and you know, the dream I let didn't go, is when the light comes into that darkness. You only need that bit of light, and then he breaks through. I'm still really tempted to speak about that one. And so when the light goes into that cell, okay, all right, I've been there. Okay, I've seen one of my friends. I really want to speak. I've seen one of my friends there, and I knew she was getting mentally tormented, and I could see the tormentor. And as I went in there, we carry light. And so I lit this dark place up, and then I see the enemy look up at me and like, oh, I've got to get out of there. But you see, once the light of God had been in there, they were liberated. They were free. And she was free. And so I, I didn't tell her about it because it would have freaked her out. But I knew a couple of weeks later, her mental tormentor was no longer tormenting her. So she had that freedom. And why did she have that freedom? Because we have the keys of the kingdom. You know there's more yeah, than one right. kingdom, don't you? Thank but you he Lord. went and got those keys so that we can go anywhere, free mm. anyone from any mm. place. And so you did talk about the keys, and it's in the right hand. Jesus got the keys, <laughs> right hand. Yeah. The right hand of power. You see, we can go anywhere. We can go up. And because he's got these keys, and you were saying, I think you said initially, that you found it hard to get out of a situation. It always seems impossible. Like we need to move on. And part of this message is about us needing to move on. We do. But the thing is, it's how. Like, how we've got these problems even in the world today. We don't have an answer. We don't know how to navigate this. But Jesus like, I know the way. You see, I didn't just find my way into that cell. I remember the journey of getting there. And it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't great at all. But, you see, we got there because... Jesus took me there. I remember thinking, I'm going down ledges, going through caves, and thinking, I'm never going to remember how to get out of here. But you see, Jesus is the way. He knows the way. And so because, he's, because we've had that direction, he's been able to get over that initial problem and start working his way up. And it's all about getting up right now. It's all about getting up, getting into the heavenly places, not being consumed with what's happening on earth right now, with all the darkness. No, we're getting to the heavenly place. We're getting light. We're getting up. And some of us have to take that leap of faith yeah, to get across. There's an aspect of it you just have to. You just, you, you're not going to survive and you're not going to thrive. You will survive, but you're not going to survive, thrive in this area if you don't take a little bit of a leap of faith. But we have so much to be confident of that leap of faith to get across to the other side. And when we're over there, it's a higher place. Yeah, it's a, right. we, we're conquerors. We're above all these situations. And so I'm just, that's pretty that's much great. what I get out of that. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, you, I know you're, you're increasing in every capacity. You are trying to get attention and you will use every means because you love us so much. Whether it's dreams, whether it's visions, I know that's going to increase. The prophetic, Lord, I know there's uh, things that are coming, things that are happening. And you want us to be so close to you, so close to your heart, so close to hearing your voice, so close to just knowing exactly how you speak to us. Because we're going to be so razor sharp, Lord 
to just hear from you and do exactly what you say because the the season that's coming the season that we're living in we have to be so discerning lord because there are going to be so many voices and we only want one voice your voice we only know we only know what when i say this one way it's your way lord jesus but it's diverse in how that happens and how that comes lord and i thank you that you are getting us ready you are preparing us for what's ahead and we thank you for it and i just pray if there's any people here right now who are, are, are having dreams or visions if you like stay back maybe come and have a chat to dennis uh, and he can just um, uh, speak into that but i also know particularly and you mentioned the middle east in the middle east at the moment um, many uh, muslim people are having uh, dreams of a man in white coming to uh, coming to him and, and they were saying, who's this man in white? And the man in white, they almost know it's Jesus. And they're trying to find someone, explain who Jesus is, because unfortunately they've, um, they've been told the wrong thing about Jesus. They've had a wrong view of God, a wrong picture of Christianity, a wrong picture of Jesus. And so many Muslim people are now coming to Christ. Even many Jewish people are coming to Christ. And we thank God. And that's the sense. And look, see, don't look where the enemy wants you to look. See, he wants you to look left. COVID-19. He wants you to look at what's happening in the world. You know what? Look right. Okay? Look right. Remember what Jesus said? Hey, cast your net on what? The right-hand side. You know, I believe the man on the cross, the right-hand side. Where does Jesus sit? On the right-hand side. So look to the right where God wants you to look right now. And you will see the miraculous. You'll see the promise. You'll see everything that God wants you to see. And you know what? It's amazing. Can I say that? It is so good. So God bless you. God keep you. Please stay back if you need to. And thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks at home. Thanks, Dennis. That was great. And maybe we'll do some course. I don't know. We'll work it out. God bless. Maybe if we could just gently have some music, but if there are some people, if you've got, if you've had some dreams or something, would you maybe, you know, maybe just want to come by Dennis and give you some advice on it? Yeah. So we'll just wait here a little bit. If you want prayer, please come up. Uh,